Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for being here today. You could have been anywhere else. Uh, I had a a reminiscing moment today. Um, Actually, it was during first service. Um, In 2008, we moved into this building. And I remember saying to my wife, I hope somebody comes to church. Um, Like, you know, we didn't know. Like, we didn't know what to expect. I mean, we had, I don't know, a couple hundred people coming to church. And we were like, maybe we'll have like, you know, I don't know, a guest or two. And this morning, I didn't know what to expect because we've got this other little thing called the Masters Tournament, which we have proven today at Journey Community Church that the Masters is not the most important thing going on in history today. So as much as I love golf and I love all that kind of stuff, uh, thanks for being here. You could have been anywhere else. You could have been St. Serta of the Mattress. I mean, you could have just stayed home. So um, this message actually, and it's interesting to me because people always go, what's your Easter message? And I say it's the most difficult message in the year. And let me tell you why, because how do you tell the Easter story different? I've been doing this for 20 years here at Journey, and like, how do you, how do you create another moment, and how do you tell the story differently? And so we started working on this a couple months ago as a team. We have a creative team here, and we started working on it as we were working on it. That same day, or that night before, I watched a movie on TV, and I don't know if anybody's seen the movie um, Glass Onion, uh, Knives Out Mystery. It's really good. It's like a kind of a, an adult clue. It's one of those kind of things. And but we came in, and I am not the person, like I, maybe you are, you're the spoiler alert person. I do not like it when people tell me, well, guess who did it? I, shh, like throat punch in Jesus' name if you say it. So we're sitting around here, and somebody goes, like I, I had seen it the night before, so I know it was going to happen. Seen it the night before, and, and, and somebody blurted it out, well, you know who did it, don't you? And, and blurted it out. I'm like, man, spoiler alert, that is such a major faux pas right there. That is the party foul of all, you know, because these people haven't seen it yet. And it made me think about spoiler alerts in the world that we live in. Any, anybody seen a movie called um, Star Wars? I don't know if you know this. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Did y'all, did y'all know that? Like, I, I don't want to be, like, like any, anybody seen the movie? I have never seen this movie, not because I think there's something wrong. I just, I'm not a big movie person. Anybody seen the movie Sixth Sense? Raise your hand. And the famous line is, I see dead people. What? Well, just in case he was dead. Did y'all know that? Anybody see the movie Titanic? The boat sinks. I don't know. I don't know. Anybody seen Clue? The butler did it. I mean, it's the same. Uh, Harry Potter. Anybody watch Harry Potter? Snipe kills Dumbledore. Did you all know that? How about, how about this? How about this one here? Superman. It's Clark Kent. Right? Spider-Man. Peter Parker. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Spoiler alert. Hey, Batman. Bruce Wayne. Iron Man. He says it. Tony Stark at the end of the movie, I am Iron Man. Spoiler alert. I kind of feel like that with the Easter story. You know why people do that? Because the ending is so good, they got to tell everybody. But you you know something? Easter, the ending is so good, we got to tell somebody about it, don't we? 
But I think we tell, some, we tell people so many times that sometimes it loses the impact on our lives. We, we kind of get numb to it. So this is what I want to do. I want everybody in this room, if you're, if you're in the balcony, if you're on the floor, if you're over in the atrium, if you're down at Sherwood, you're watching online, if you're in the, in the tent today, I, I heard there's some people over in the tent. If you're over there, I want you to think about the Easter story, and I want you to kind of walk through the next 20 minutes or so like you've never heard the story before. How's that sound? Can we try that? Like we've never heard this story. Like it's the very first time we heard it. Like you didn't know that Jesus was kind of a rock star of the time. Like he came walking in and, you know, we, we talked about it last week here. He's coming down that road to Jerusalem, the road to Emmaus. He's coming down that road. He's, as he's coming into Jerusalem, there's all kinds of people surrounding him. They're, they're palm branches and yelling, Hosanna, 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 all that stuff. Not only that, Lazarus, who had been just risen from the dead, was walking with Jesus. And so there's this really cool moment that's happening right there. And you, you don't know this, but the religious and the political leaders were getting frustrated at him because he was bringing change to the community. He was telling people that they didn't have to do certain rituals in order to come to God that just had to believe in him. And all of a sudden, you know, the I am, I am the way, the truth, and the light, no man comes to the Father except for through me. I am the door, I am the great, the good shepherd, I'm all those things. And so they started getting frustrated. So they, they started planning and they got to one of his friends. And they gave him some money. They bribed him. And the bribe was this, you're going to turn him over. And so Judas, one of his best friends, turns him over. And it's interesting, over the last several weeks, I know Caleb and myself have been talking about this a lot. It blows me away still to this day that Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, but Judas still ate. He allowed Judas to sit in the presence and all that and, and honor and, and, you know, and be a part of all that. But he knew that he was going to betray him. That just blows me out of the water. And so then he goes up against the religious leaders and... They devise this plan, and the plan is they're going to crucify him. And so on that Friday, they take him up the road to Golgotha, which is a, it's called the, the Mountain of the Skull or the, the Hill of Skull. And they start to beat him, and they start to disfigure him to the point where you can't even recognize him. And in that process, they nail his hands and his feet to a cross. Later that evening, Jesus yells out, Aloy, Aloy, Ramasabakni, which means, my God, my dad, my dad, why have you forsaken me? And then he yells out, it is finished. I just want you to know, he didn't yell out, I am finished. He yelled out, it is finished. My work here is finished. Not I'm finished, not I'm done, not I'm going to the grave and never coming back. And so they put him in a grave, a borrowed grave at that. He, they were so poor, he couldn't even afford his own tomb. And so they put him in a tomb. Now, here's what I want everybody to just stop for a second. Because one of the things that we all have to understand, and here's a spoiler alert. I'm going to give us three. Spoiler alert number one is this. Jesus conquers death and raises from the, from the grave. That's amazing because the story doesn't end with him in the tomb. And see, that's the part that so many people are so frustrated about. It's not the fact that he was a good teacher. It wasn't the fact that he had great stuff that he was presenting. It wasn't that it was a good guy or a liberator. It wasn't any of that stuff. It's the fact that he said he was going to raise himself from the grave. That's what bothered people. And you know something? I think it's the same thing that people stumble with today. They love his teachings. They go, wow, I can, I can buy into that teaching. I can buy into that moment right there. But the whole resurrecting from the grave, I'm not sure about that kind of stuff. I'm not sure that, that that's really happened. Here's something interesting. Most people admire his ethics. Most people don't have a problem with it. Most people look at him and go, he was a great teacher. Or he was a great rabbi or he was a great person where people stumble, people like Mahatma Gandhi, this is what he said. 
He said, I can accept Jesus as martyr and a good example, but the idea of his death was in any way miraculous. I just can't accept. How many people have heard a guy by the name of Thomas Jefferson? He's one of the founders of our country. Not many people know that Thomas Jefferson was a secular humanist. He did not believe in the supernatural parts of the Bible. As a matter of fact, he rewrote the Bible and, in, and the gospel portions, and he called it this, the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. This is one of his excerpts about how he's talking about this crucifixion and more so the resurrection. He says, there laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulchre and departed. That's how it ended for him. Everybody just leaves and Jesus is there and Jesus doesn't, and that's not how it ends. As a matter of fact, an eyewitness account in the book of Mark, one of the apostles, Mark, he writes this, Mark chapter 16, verse one. Saturday evening, when Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away for us to entrance, uh, the entrance to the tomb? In verse four, but as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robe sitting at the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said to her, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified and he isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where he laid. This is where his body laid, right at this place. That's the power. On Friday night, he was stone dead. Saturday, he laid in a cold tomb. And on Sunday, he was resurrected from the grave. Somebody say amen to that. See, the resurrection changes everything. And we see eyewitness after eyewitness that saw this happen, that saw Jesus after the resurrection. It changes everything. One of the things that we know that Jesus did for us is that Jesus conquered death. And here's what this means. Can I, can I, can I just, for a second, just, just flow with me for a second. Jesus conquered death. See, this is what happened. Sin separates us from God. Okay, let me, let me ask a question. How many people in this room have ever lied? Hmm. How many people in this room have ever stole anything? Few. How many people have ever murdered anybody? First service, we had somebody raise their hand. I did not know how to respond. I, I'll pray for you. But uh, raise your hand again. Uh, just keep your hand up. Uh, liars? Everybody's hand should be up. Thieves? Keep your hands up. Thieves? You know what this says about it? This is a jacked up church. We got a bunch of messed up people. See, here's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Everybody has fallen short. Not, not just, listen, if you didn't raise your hand, let me let you in on a secret. Everybody is a sinner from birth and by choice. From birth through Adam and Eve, and then by choice, because we choose to sin. We choose to go against God's and, 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 and not be obedient to what God's called us to do. So that's one of the things when, he, when we talk about he conquered good, that's what he did. So sin is missing the mark and we've all sinned, right? And God's standard, can I throw this out? God's standard doesn't change. I don't care what Facebook says. I don't care what Twitter or the greatest, the next whoever. God's standard doesn't change. God's standard is God's word. It's not what somebody said out there in social media. And so many times the, we think that the standard is a moving target based on culture and that has nothing to do with it. You know something? We shouldn't be allowing the culture to dictate the standard, but the other way around. The standard should be dictated to the culture. It doesn't change. 
And because of that, God hates sin. And he had to do something about it. If we're all sinners and God hates sin, he has got to do something about it. And what he did was he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. And because of that, we can live. Because of his death, we can live. His son Jesus paid the press, the price. And repenting is this. Repenting is we turn away from that thing called sin and we walk a different direction. And some of you going, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I thought repenting was when I raised my hand at Meemaw's church. Like, and, and the pastor made me feel guilty. Y'all ever been to that church? And they just guilt you into raising your hand? That's how I got saved the first 32 times. <laughs> like I had to get saved over and over again because like, yeah, I cussed my mama out this morning. I got to get saved again. Not recently. I mean, it was years ago. But you know what I'm talking about? And, and, get, and listen, you're not saved because you go to a Baptist church or a Methodist church or whatever church you want to say. You're not saved because of that. You're not saved because you were born in the USA. You're, you're, listen, you're not saved because you walked an aisle one day or you're not saved because you filled out a card. I, I don't care if you went to the secret room. That doesn't make you saved. What makes you saved is when you bend the knee to the holy God and say, I can't do it without you. And I'm a sinner by choice and by birth. And I need the savior of the world. That's what the resurrection is. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so important. So when we start talking about spoiler alerts, you got to understand that the resurrection happened. And sometimes we get so customized, like we almost kind of look at it like it's just another day, like checkbox. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8 says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the, by the same Spirit living within you. That means the same Spirit, listen to me on this, the same Spirit that brought Jesus back to life is the same one that's in you that brings hope back to life in you. It's the same one that brought Jesus back to life that brings joy, that brings purpose, that brings vision, that brings mission, brings all those things. The same one that brought Jesus from the, back from the dead is the same one that we can tap into. So that's the first one. Here's the second spoiler alert. Spoiler alert number two is this. The followers, the ones that were hanging out with him, are transformed because of the resurrection. Do you hear me on that? Now, now, we know the story about Peter, right? Peter, the Good Friday, right? He denied Jesus three times. It was predicted it was going to happen. I mean, there's a Roman soldier pointing at him going, I know, I know you. I saw you with that Jesus of Nazareth. No, 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 no. You didn't see me. You know, I, no, no, no. I saw you. You were hanging out with that, that, that rabbi. You know, no, 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 no. And, and, and so he denies him. And we know that the, all, all, the, all the disciples scatter all over the place after this happens. It's one of those deals where we see in the story that Peter gets a second chance. I'm going to say something real quick. I probably share this story every Easter, and I probably should share this story every Sunday. Because there's a line in this Mark chapter 16 that every time I read it, I get a lump in my throat. And this is what it says. Now go and tell the disciples. That's pretty cool, right? And include Peter. Include Peter. That's like saying, go tell the disciples and make sure Pat knows also. Right? Or make sure Bobby knows. Make sure Bobby knows. And why was Jesus so specific in making sure? Because he was worried about Peter. He loved Peter. He cared about him. He saw the potential in him. And it was in that moment that he's saying, you know something? I'm a God of second chances. A few weeks ago, we looked at a story in the book of Jonah. And Jonah chapter three has this one line, and I love it because Jonah is commissioned to go to Nineveh, but goes to Tarshish, uh, disobeys God, which is we determine was sin. Anytime we disobey God, it's a sin. 
And he gets him to the place and he goes over here. But Jonah chapter three, verse one says, listen, he said, the word of the Lord or the, or, or the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many people in this room have needed a second time that the Lord come to him? Third time, a fourth time. See, God's not just a God of second chances. He's a God of another chance and another chance and another chance. And that's why he was saying to Peter, he said, listen, make sure Peter knows. Make sure somehow or another, get this message to Peter. So he said, now go and tell, verse seven, tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Include Peter. Include Peter. You know one of the things I think is important, important today? Our world is, our world is characterized right now by a lack of mercy. Did you hear me on that? If, if, if a leader did what Peter did today, he'd be canceled. Think about it. I mean, we cancel people for a lot worse in the world that we live in, don't we? There's, there's no way that Peter could have denied Jesus and remained in that culture. As soon as it came out on Facebook, he'd have been gone. He would have been, they, would have, they would have taken him off, Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name would have, limited his account, all that kind of stuff. He would have been canceled. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear this very clear. Jesus never one time cancels us. Regardless of how far we've walked, regardless of the sin that we've somehow or another fell into, regardless of the problems that we've had or the addictions that we've been a part of, it doesn't make a difference. God, Jesus never cancels us. That's why that line, and make sure Peter knows, go tell Peter is so important. And what happens? We know this, what happens in Peter's life. Right after this all happens. Remember the reinstatement? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you weren't here, this is what happens. He goes to Peter and he goes, Peter, who do men say I am? And he said, well, some are saying that you're Moses. Some are saying Elijah. Some are saying a great prophet. And Peter's sitting there going like, Jesus is talking to me. And he goes, okay, if that's who they say, who do you say I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says to him, that wasn't given to you by your human knowledge. You didn't just come up with that. That wasn't like out of, you know, out of left, like this. That was given to you by the Holy Spirit. And then the next line, the reinstatement line is, you are now Peter, you're Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He reinstated just a few days afterwards. He's preaching to the Pente at Pentecost and 3,000 people get saved at Pentecost. That doesn't sound some, like somebody that's not getting a second chance. That sounds like somebody God still wants to, that he's still in the business of taking mess ups and turning them into masterpieces. That's the story of our lives, isn't it? Okay, maybe not yours. Maybe you're perfect. It's a story of my life. That I'm in process and God continues to work on me in my process. After that, he's walking up to the temple and his shadow lays across somebody. We see it over and over again. They would lay people down on the streets where Peter was going to walk, that the shadow, and when the shadow laid over top of him, the Spirit of God was so strong in Peter that they would be healed in that moment. That doesn't sound like somebody's not getting a second chance. And then you look at the rest of the apostles, the disciples. We see that after the crucifixion, the disciples are scattered in fear. At this point, the, the future wasn't very bright for the Jesus movement, was it? Like, think about this. Like, if we, like, I had a couple of five, you know, 20 staff members. And one day, I hope it never happens. I, I hope it never happens. They, somebody takes me out. Like, it's over. Like, we don't have a leader anymore, right? Well, that's what happened here. It seemed inevitable that the collection of misfits, they were going to fade out. But you know what? 
You know what happened? They became stronger. The resurrection galvanized them. And once they came to their senses, this is what happened. And they said they told them in verse 15, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes. No. No. Not at this church. I don't like worms, let alone snakes. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. Wow. And they will be healed. And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven. He sat down at the place of honor of God's right hand. In verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said by many miracles. See, they witnessed the resurrection and it changed everything. I mean, when, when he's being put in the tomb, they think their dreams are dashed. But when he rises from the grave, they realize it was true. It changes everything. Let me give you one more spoiler alert because this is really important. What looked like the end was actually God's plan all along. You think about that for a second. It looked, Friday looked bad. I was reading about a story about a museum over in France. It's called the Louvre. You may have heard of it. And there's this famous painting. It's called Checkmate. And in this, I mean, there's Mona Lisa's. I mean, there's all these famous paintings that are all over the place. But this, 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 this picture is hanging on the wall. And on the wall, there's this huge portrait, and it's, it's kind of a picture of the devil that thinks he's one, and this is human, uh, human beings on this side. And there's this great, they're distraught, they're frustrated, and the devil is declaring checkmate on that man. Well, there's this famous chess master and he's looking at the painting in the Louvre and he's, he's, he's looking at it and he's sitting there and he's, he's eyeballing and he's, he's kind of doing this number right here and all of a sudden his eyes get real big and he goes, can you tell me, he asks one of the people, can you tell me where is, where's the courier? Who's, where, who's the person in charge of this, this great museum? And so the guy takes him to him and he says, you have a painting that's misnamed. He said, that, that, that name should not be Checkmate because Checkmate implies that there's no more moves. But I noticed one move, the young boy has one more move. And if he makes that move, that everything will be fine. And he'll be actually the devil being checkmate. One more move. And the man said, well, what move is it? He goes, all he's got to do is move the king. If he moves the king one spot, he wins. It makes me think about things in my life. Sometimes things don't look good. And then the king moves. And he does something supernatural. Maybe it's in my marriage and the king moves. It made me think about all of history. I, I can go all the way back to when Israel was in captive to Egypt and they're sit, sitting in front of a Red Sea and it looked like checkmate, didn't it? But the king hadn't moved yet. And then the next thing we know, the waters part, parted and the Israelites go on dry ground. They get on the other side. And then when the Egyptians are in the middle of the, uh, the, middle of the, of the Red Sea, all of a sudden it capsized because the king made his move. Go a few more chapters. How about Abraham? 
Abraham's sitting there and God tells him that his seed is gonna be as plentiful as the stars of the sky. And then Sarah and him decide to try to do it their own way and they have Ishmael. And then he thought it was checkmate. He was too old. And then God moved. In his 90s, he has Isaac, the promise. He just waited. He needed to wait for the king to make his move. That's for a little bit more. Three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown in a fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. It was, it was, there was, it was doomed. There was no way they were going to, nobody had ever made it out. But the king didn't make his move yet. And when the king made the move, they came out. The ropes were burnt off and their clothes didn't smell like smoke. How about Daniel thrown in a lion's den? But the king hasn't moved yet. How about the New Testament? How about the girl that's laying on the ground and all the religious leaders are getting ready to stone her? But the king hasn't made his move yet. How about the little boy in, 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 in the Gospels that is commissioned by God to feed 5,000 people? You, 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 talk about, you talk about a problem. And he goes, I only have a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And he goes, but the king hasn't moved yet. And the king moves and they come back with baskets full enough for the rest of their journey. Friday night, what we call Good Friday. Didn't look real good, did it? Come on, let's be honest. And Saturday didn't look much better. But Sunday, the king moved. The king started breathing life back into that dead Jesus. And then his blood started to pump and his heart started to... Can you imagine that moment when that tombstone opened up and this radiant light, the, 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 the glory of God shines out? It's because the king made his move. Maybe your marriage doesn't look perfect right now. Maybe it's time to start praying the king would make his move in that. Do you hear me on that? Instead of complaining about it and talking to other people, maybe you start talking to the king and ask the king to make a move in your marriage. Hey, my finances are a disaster. Maybe ask the king to move in your finances. Maybe my relationships with your kids. Maybe, maybe they're just all, they're all over the place. Ask the king to make a final move. What would happen? I, I love, I think it was Josh McDowell that said it. He said, Jesus was either, either liar, he was a lunatic, or in fact, he was Lord. Either is the best liar that ever, ever walked the planet. Or he was bat crap crazy, right? Or maybe the resurrection proved that he was actually the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here's what I should hear this. Eyewitness accounts saw Jesus walking that Sunday. It wasn't crazy people. They tell the story about Jesus because they witnessed it. I was telling somebody earlier, they were asking me why I became a pastor. I, 
I'm not a pastor because I believe in this stuff. I believe in this stuff and that's why I became a pastor because I witnessed it. I witnessed it in your lives. I've witnessed it. I was sitting with my kids one day. It's when they were small. And one of my kids asked a, a question. This was the question. Dad, have you ever seen God? Try to figure that one out. Because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to see God all the time, right? Like face-to-face conversations with him. And I said, I said, I've never seen God. About the time the wind started blowing down the street and I saw leaves blowing down the street, I said, I've never seen God, but I've seen the effects of God. I've never seen wind, but I've seen the effects of wind. And, And here's what I can tell you. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed his lordship in my life. I've, I've watched him do his work. I've watched him heal my body. I've watched him heal my family. I've watched him break addictions in some of your lives. I've watched it. I've witnessed it. I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to stand up with me. We're going to pray. I don't know what you brought today, what you came with, I don't know where you stand with this Jesus thing. But I believe today you have a chance, at least through scripture, to witness it. We can see the accounts all throughout the Bible. We can see God's hand. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, in this moment, right? God, I pray that you would move in our lives. I believe there's people in this room right now that need you, the king, to make the next move. God, in their marriages, in their lives, in their relationships with their kids, they need the king. And so God, I pray that we would stop listening to Friday and start understanding Sunday. God, do something in us. God, many of us today have never been confronted with the reality of who you are. And I pray this, that today we would understand who you are in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.